0: food heals podcast episode
1: 296 your podcast is called food heals that single idea that food is a substitute for pharmaceutical medication that food is truly a medicine is something that i I hope people really are starting to understand if they don't already fundamentally understand it
2: we absolutely both believe that type 1 diabetes is going to huge blessing in disguise it's definitely given us a clear path on what we can do with our careers and then how to help other people and just like you're saying here, you're talking about food healing and really the whole premise of what we're doing here is talking about maximizing insulin sensitivity and that has a huge impact on people living with all forms of diabetes
1: holistic voice presents the food heals podcast with your hosts allison melody and susie hardy Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.
0: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. Current medical wisdom says that anyone suffering from diabetes or prediabetes should eat a low-carb, high-fat diet. But today's guests, Cyrus Kambata and Robbie Barbero, rely on a century of research to show that advice is actually misguided. While it might improve short term blood glucose control, this diet also increases the long term risk for chronic diseases like cancer, like high blood pressure, high cholesterol chronic kidney disease and fatty liver disease so the conventional model is broken it is not working the revolutionary solution that cyrus and robbie discovered is to eat a low-fat plant-based whole foods diet, this is the most powerful way to reverse insulin resistance in all types of diabetes, and that is why they founded Mastering Diabetes. Mastering Diabetes is an online platform that helps people reverse insulin resistance permanently helps people get their best a1c achieve their ideal body weight lower their cholesterol and all of this can happen in as little as three months so they've got summits they've got coaching and their brand new book mastering diabetes is out now this episode is going to revolutionize the way that you think about diabetes so share it with a friend who needs it roll it roxy
1: the food Heals podcast starts
0: now
3: They have been featured on Forks Over Knives, Medical Medium, Vice, Thrive Magazine, and more. And they're the authors of the upcoming book, Mastering Diabetes. Please welcome Cyrus and Robbie. Welcome, guys.
1: Thank you so much for having us here. We really appreciate it. Really excited.
0: Well, we're very excited about your book, and you guys have both overcome so much, and I love what you're sharing with the world. And Forks Over Knives, one of my favorite films. So take us back. How did you get started on this journey to health?
1: so i was originally diagnosed with uh type 1 diabetes when i was 22. i was like i was a senior in college just trying to finish up move on with my life and all of a sudden i get diagnosed with not not just one but three autoimmune conditions so the first one was hashimoto's hypothyroidism then the second one is alopecia universalis which is just a super nerd way of saying you know cyrus loses his hair so i have no i have no hair i have no eyebrows no eyelashes no ear hair none of that And then uh, the third autoimmune condition was type 1 diabetes. So all three of those set in within a six month period. And I got. And
0: you're so young. Uh, Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, imagine going from just being a happy go luck kid that, you know, is quote unquote healthy to all of a sudden now having three autoimmune conditions.
0: Oh my God. I can't imagine.
1: So that happened. And then um, within, you know, the first year, I basically tried to eat a plant based diet. Uh, I'm sorry, I tried to eat a low carbohydrate diet because that's what my doctors had told me to do um and they were saying you know limit your carbohydrate intake because if you do then that will allow you to control your blood glucose with precision so um I tried doing that for a year and it just did not work I mean I was I was really trying and my blood glucose was all over the place it was it was uh you know kind of a nightmare
2: what were
3: you eating at that time
1: so at that time I was trying to eat I was trying to minimize my intake of of fruits and potatoes and you know, pastas and breads and cereals. And I was trying to eat more eggs, more fish, more, uh, lean meat, um, you know, black forest ham sandwiches, uh, turkey burgers and, you know, peanut butter. So like higher fat, higher protein foods that were like both animal based as well as plant based. And, um, you know, it was supposed to make my blood glucose controllable, but it didn't. So two things happened. Uh, number one, my glucose was a roller coaster. Number two, my insulin requirements were actually going up over time. They started at mid-20s and then mid-30s and before I knew it, mid-40s per day. And and that's a lot of insulin, you know, for somebody of my height and weight. So then I decided, you know, it's time to, you know, it's time to start looking for a new way of doing things. So I switched over to a plant-based diet under the guidance of a of – a, A guy named Dr. Doug Graham, who went on to write a book called The 80-10-10 Diet. Uh, And he basically taught me how to eat a diet that was, uh, you know, purely, literally 100% fruits and vegetables. So we just started there. And I was nervous that my blood glucose was going to go through the roof because, you know, man with type 1 diabetes starts to eat a significant amount of carbohydrate. What everybody was telling me was that my insulin use was going to go up simply because the total amount of carbohydrate in my food was going up. So I was expecting that. And then I started eating a lot of fruits and a lot of vegetables. And uh, my carbohydrate intake, you know, six folded. It went from like 100 grams a day all the way upwards of 600 grams a day. And my insulin use actually came down by 40% within the first week, 40 percent. Wow. So I was eating six times the number of carbohydrate grams per day for 40% less insulin. And that was the first time that this light bulb went off in my head that said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute something fascinating is happening right here and i don't have the tools to explain it so i went back to school i studied towards a phd in nutritional biochemistry so that i could talk science and really understand what was happening and in that process i i uncovered that you know diabetes is something that the the nutrition world and the research world has a lot of information like too much information about and for the past 100 years there have been a whole bunch of research experiments and published papers that go into detail about how to create diabetes and how to reverse diabetes. And what I had experienced by transitioning to a plant-based diet and seeing tremendous improvements in my blood glucose and decreased insulin use had actually been documented as far back as the 1920s. I kid you not, literally 100 years ago. And so this is fascinating to me. And so I kind of like read through all that research and tried to, you know, think of a way where I can translate that for regular people to help them transition to a plant-based diet as well.
0: So this literally changed the course of your life and what you would end up doing with your life. So how, why aren't people talking, why weren't people talking about it?
1: Uh, I think why weren't people talking about it? I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, number one, nutrition research is like not that easy to read and it's not that easy to understand. Your, the general public doesn't really have, you know, has access to the medical literature, but like your average person isn't going to PubMed to read articles about diabetes and diet. You know, they're just not doing that.
0: No, we go to Google and we get a bunch of misinformation. That's exactly right. So
1: whatever is popular in Google and whatever is popular in, you know, the magazine that's being displayed to you at the grocery store, that's what people are going to do. And whatever these catch terms are and whatever these videos that go viral are, like that's the stuff that's popular. And the stuff that's popular is, you know, teaching people how to eat a ketogenic diet. That's popular. Uh, You know, teaching people how to eat a low carbohydrate diet. That's popular. And so that's what people do, which is, I kid you not, literally the exact opposite of what the research world knows to be uh, the most effective treatment and reversal for diabetes. But yet, you know, that's the truth. And that's what that's the world in which we live today.
0: I mean, it's so true, and I'm so glad that you're busting these keto myths right now. Thank you. Um, Ravi, can you take us through your story a little bit? How How did your journey start?
2: Yeah, so I have two older brothers, and my middle older brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nine years prior to me. So I was quite familiar with type 1. I knew what the symptoms were, and I was in middle school. I was crazy thirsty going to the bathroom all the time. And I said, mom, I think I have diabetes just like Steve. And she said, no, no, don't be silly. You don't have diabetes. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then, like a week goes by and my mom and dad are in Florida looking for homes because we were gonna eventually move to Florida. And she calls to check in and she says, hey, how's everything going at home? I said, mom, I couldn't sleep last night. I was cramping. She said, okay, go upstairs and test yourself with your brother's meter. And I did, and I was well over 400. You're supposed to be between 80 and 130. And my brother said right there, you have type 1 diabetes, pack your bag, you're going to be in the hospital for a few nights. So my parents flew back the next night, and that was the beginning of life with type 1 diabetes. So just in case the audience doesn't fully know, I mean, type 1 diabetes is when your pancreas is not producing sufficient quantities of insulin. So um, we have to inject insulin to manage our blood glucose levels. Pre-diabetes type two, that's when you're actually producing excess insulin. So I'm sure we'll get into more detail about that later. But um, that was the beginning of life with type one and we lived in Minnesota. So we went to the Mayo Clinic to get the best care possible. So I have an endocrinologist, I have a dietitian, I have a, um, a therapist, um, all trying to give us the best care. And in hindsight, it's really sad that they're not talking about plant-based nutrition. And really what's going on is they just wanted me to feel normal. So, okay, you know what? You're a teenager. We want you to be able to eat the foods that all your friends are eating. Just learn how to dose insulin and make sure that you're getting, you know, your basic servings of fruits and vegetables. And I remember having canned mandarin oranges. That was my favorite fruit. To have each night with dinner. So I finished my, you know, standard American dinner and my mom's like, okay, time to have your, your fruit. Oh, my <laughs> God. great. So, um, I tried many different diets and I eventually came across a book in high school. I was at Barnes and Noble getting some spark notes and a book called to me and it was called Kevin Trudeau's Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. He had infomercials. He had his bright, smiling face on the cover of the book. Um, we're not recommending this book. Yeah. This guy was put in jail. There was yeah. fraud involved, <laughs> very sad. But the book planted a seed in my mind, Yes. Yeah. and it did. This, this book had definitely changed the course of my life, so I, I do have to thank him for that. And the seed was that it's going to be possible, you know, I believe it. it's possible to reverse type 1 diabetes and get my body to produce new beta cells. That is the mindset. It seems very simple, but unfortunately, it's, in hindsight, it's not that simple. But it sent me down this path of like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to put my body in a state where it can heal itself. I want to be healthy so self-healing can happen. Every night you go to bed... Cells are dying, cells are getting re- regenerated you know, stem cells are part of this process. It's like, let's just do anything and everything. So I ended up trying a bunch of different diets. I tried a Weston A. Price Foundation diet. And at the time, I was struggling with standard American issues. I had cystic acne, which was really frustrating. I did everything. Microdermal abrasion treatments, laser treatments, different creams, different pills. Eventually they put me on Accutane which is the most serious drug you can take for acne. Your parents have to sign a waiver because some people have committed suicide with that drug. But I felt like I had no option at that point. I had plantar fasciitis as a competitive tennis player. That was frustrating. It's a painful condition in your feet. And I was wearing blue boots at night for some passive stretching. I had chronic allergies. I would take Nasonex and Claritin D and still get sick. And warts on my feet. Mm some typical issues that people have when following a standard American diet. So
3: You were a hot mess. Yes. There we see. go,
2: a hot mess. I like that. That's that
1: is a great way to think about
2: it. Never...
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, my heart, my heart goes out to you. You're describing all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, poor guy. Yeah, hot That's mess. Okay. Good.
0: Please continue. So I'm in high
2: school, and I'm living in uh, sarasota Brainton area of Florida, and I'm doing this Weston A. Price Foundation. So this is grass-fed beef. You know, you're trying to eat clean breads, like millet bread, stuff like that. Um, and they advocate for raw milk. So I would go to the local farmer's market and buy milk for cats because you can't sell raw milk to humans. But hey, had to do what you had to do to follow the protocol. I didn't see any change in my diabetes health at this point. So I keep on pursuing different diets, learning more and more. Eventually, I come across a Gabriel Cousins phase one diet. At the time, ketogenic diets weren't popular, but this is basically a plant-based ketogenic diet. That's what I was doing. And at this point, I'm a freshman at the University of Florida. I start following this ketogenic diet. I'm eating lots of oils. I'm eating lots of nuts and seeds and plenty of greens as well. And at that point, I had no energy. I was on campus several times. Like, I blacked out and it was just scary. I'm like, I don't know what to do next. All my friends are eating whatever the heck they want at the cafeteria. I'm putting all this effort into this and I'm losing weight and I'm feeling terrible. So I go back to a naturopath that I saw and she said, okay, maybe you should do some chelation therapy. We'll try and you know do some cleansing that way. I was like, okay, I'll consider it. But before I made that commitment, I would have had to drive from Gainesville to Tampa to do that. I heard a podcast with the same guy that changed Cyrus's life. His name is Doug Graham. And on this podcast, we're talking about eating fruits and vegetables and how that can also you know, help your body detoxify from heavy metals and stuff like that. Wait a minute. I've been avoiding fruit for all this time. I love fruit. He's saying I can get similar results. I have to give this thing a shot. So he was talking about his book that was coming out. This was in September of 2006. And that's when I started to making this transition to eat more fruit. The book comes out in December of 2006. And Cyrus is one of the testimonials in the back of the book. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is interesting. Another type one who saw some amazing results. And that just inspired me to keep going. And I started a coaching program with him. I emailed him every single day. He emailed me back every single day for 90 days straight. And I really learned how to do this low fat, you know, plant-based whole food approach. And I started eating crazy amounts of fruit. And just like Cyrus, my insulin sensitivity improved dramatically. So I actually saw a, a 900% change in my body's ability to uh, uptake glucose. So the amount of insulin I needed for the amount of glucose that was coming into my body from whole foods changed by 900%. Dramatic change. Oh my. And both Cyrus and I, we use a, a physiologically normal amount of insulin. So your guys' pancreas, you guys secrete somewhere between like 25 and 50 units of insulin per day. That's healthy, that's normal. Insulin is important and absolutely necessary. So when you're living with type one diabetes and your pancreas is not working, you want to inject what it would normally secrete when you were eating a healthy diet. And that's what we both do. And we eat large amounts of carbohydrate rich food, which again are completely demonized in the the world of diabetes health. So we're getting the exact opposite result that people would expect. And again, just like Cyrus said, this has actually been documented in the research and just straight up buried for about 100 years now. And we are quite passionate about getting this information out to people. So I started doing this and then I worked with Forks Over Knives for six years. I met Brian Wendell, he's the man behind Forks Over Knives at a health retreat and had a lot of fun working there and getting to meet a lot of cool people. And here we are now, Cyrus and I started mastering diabetes to really fulfill a niche here. If you, if you wanna follow a If you're living with any form of diabetes and you want to follow a plant-based diet there really wasn't a go-to resource and we've set out to create that with Mastering Diabetes with our website um, with our social media and uh, just really being a place where people can really understand that we know what they're going through and we know exactly how to help them so that's what we do.
3: I love that you guys Are doing this, and I almost think Ali and I both believe your body can heal if you give it what it needs, and it's often that kind of tricky part of figuring out what it needs, especially when it was counterintuitive for you guys to be eating more carbohydrates when everyone was saying no, 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 that's bad. But I always believe I have a lot of people in my family with diabetes, and they always, you know, I can't have fruit, but then they they throw on the Splenda. And how always thought fruit doesn't give you diabetes. Like, I don't, I just don't believe it. I love fruit. I would be a fructarian if I could. And I just love that this is part of your story that like you guys doubled up on the fruits and, and it reversed.
2: We absolutely both believe that type one diabetes has been a huge blessing in disguise. It's definitely given us a clear path on what we can do with our careers and then how to help other people. And just like you're saying here, you're talking about food healing. And really the whole premise of what we're doing here is talking about, maximizing insulin sensitivity and that has a huge impact on people living with all forms of diabetes.
0: So I'm so excited about your book. So you guys came together to write this book. What what is your advice for someone who is recently diagnosed with di- diabetes and autoimmune because both of you had more going on than just diabetes. So it's like this book is for more, you know, more people, am I right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So so we teach people primarily living with all forms of diabetes, how they can also transition to a plant-based diet to not only improve diabetes, but also improve their overall health. And the truth of it is that uh, you can't really, what's considered, you know, you can't heal selectively. So it's not like if you eat a plant-based diet and get better insulin sensitivity and reduce your insulin requirements and increase your glucose tolerance, Chances are you're also gonna lose weight. Chances are you're also gonna drop your blood pressure. You're also probably gonna drop your cholesterol levels. And so there's, you know, a whole collection of ancillary benefits that come along for the ride. And so, truth be told, you know, this book is not just for people living with diabetes. We just happen to talk a lot of diabetes in the book, but the truth of the matter is, you know, it applies to anyone and everyone. And uh, it's a phenomenally powerful approach.
0: And, like, what do you guys enjoy today that, you know, I feel like we're always told, like, oh, this is kind of a death sentence. Like, you're on this pill, or this drug for the rest of your life. You're gonna feel bad for the rest of your life. You're gonna have to take insulin for the rest of your life. What have you experienced? Like, how is your lifestyle? And what are you enjoying that you were told maybe you wouldn't?
1: It's a great question. I would say there's, you know, on one hand, I would say there's specific foods that I can now eat with confidence. And control my blood glucose with precision. So something like, you know, Hayden mangoes as an example. One of my favorite things in the world. Um, you know, I can eat those in large quantities, and it's they're incredibly sweet, super flavorful, and you know, I get phenomenal blood glucose control when I do. But then I think beyond just the specific types of foods that I can put into my mouth, it's more about, for me, it's about the confidence in knowing a couple of things. Uh, number 1 when you eat a sort of plant heavy diet or a plant focused diet i can go to sleep at night knowing that there literally is no healthier diet no healthier you know food pattern um, in existence today the scientific community is in a consensus at this point that a predominantly plant based diet or fully plant based diet is literally the most the healthiest diet ever discovered period end of story
0: and the most anti cancer as well
1: Exactly. So it's anti-cancer. It's anti-diabetes. It's uh, anti-cardiovascular disease. It's anti-fatty liver disease. It's anti-chronic kidney disease. And the list goes on. And so you know, just being able to go to sleep with that confidence, knowing that what I'm doing for myself is really, truly benefiting me from head to toe and there's literally nothing I can do about it, um, that right there is just like, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't really like, you can't really, I can't, I don't know how to value that but that peace of mind is something that is absolutely tremendous for me. And I I think about it literally every single day of my life.
2: Yeah, I would just add to that. I mean, the number one cause of death for people living with all forms of diabetes is heart disease. And I am very confident in saying that this approach, it makes the chances of us developing heart disease is extremely, extremely low. Dr. Esselstyn likes to say heart attack proof, but um, you know, just be more scientifically accurate, I'm there's a chance of anything happening, but it's very, very slim and that feels pretty darn good.
3: Do we know why that is? Is that because something to do with the insulin has, it leads to inflammation of the arteries? Why would the number one cause of death for diabetics be heart disease?
1: Yeah. One of the, the main reasons why the, the number one cause of death is heart disease is because um, the thing that causes diabetes, okay? So let's back up here. Uh, there's, you know, type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. That's what Robbie and I live with. There's also another autoimmune version called type 1.5 diabetes, which is what affects people who are older than 30 years old, who are also diagnosed with an autoimmune version of diabetes. So it's kind of like a, it's a slow progressing adult onset version of type one diabetes. But then you have pre-diabetes and type two diabetes, which are the, you know, they affect more than 90% of the diabetes population. And these are the two, Forms of diabetes that are really related to your lifestyle most strongly. And so the cause of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes is another thing. And that other thing is referred to as insulin resistance. So when you develop insulin resistance due to a diet that is either uh, high in fat, high in total fat, high in animal products, or high in packaged and processed carbohydrate rich foods, you know, like cookies, crackers, chips, pastas, things like that. Um, then you develop a condition known as insulin resistance. And when insulin resistance uh, grows and when it sort of takes over your liver and takes over your muscle and starts to become a problem, then every single tissue in your body uh, is, is impacted by that. So insulin resistance, I like to think of it as sort of like a central node that then has you know, many tentacles that then go and increases your risk for chronic disease as a whole. And part of that, like one of the main things that it does is, it, is it, uh, it causes arterial inflammation. It can dramatically increase your cholesterol levels, dramatically increase your triglyceride levels. Uh, it can increase your risk for atherosclerosis or hardening of blood vessels. And all of that can contribute to the development of heart disease. And if, that, if insulin resistance remains untreated over the course of time, um, or it gets exacerbated by eating a, you know, a ketogenic diet, as an example... Then um, heart disease becomes, you know, unfortunately extremely
0: common. Food Heals Nation, when you think about your nutrition, what if I asked you this trivia question? What is a four billion year old single cell organism that has 40 vitamins and minerals, the highest concentration of protein, one calorie, and just one ingredient? It's algae algae is nature's true superfood and the purest source of this superfood spirulina and chlorella comes from my favorite brand energy bits energy bits get me through my day they help me with my intermittent fasting they're a great plant-based workout fuel and they're perfect for traveling for staying healthy while traveling you know i know right now everyone is wearing you know surgical masks in the, on the airplanes because they don't want to get sick with all of this mass hysteria about coronavirus. So the way that I stay healthy is to make sure that I'm taking all of my supplements and boosting my immune system to the max, which is why I rely on energy bits. So on Saturday I fly, you know, West coast to East coast. It's like a five hour flight Um, to Boston and then after I arrive in Boston I have a three-hour drive so I will be on planes trains and automobiles and I've got to keep my immune system boosted so I'll be taking my energy bits on the plane off the plane you know, before I get on so I can just keep my energy high and my immune system super boosted so that I don't get sick with all of the travel and, you know, changing time zones. This helps with jet lag, which is something that I've always suffered from adjusting to the time zones. I hate losing three hours of sleep. So energy bits really helps me with jet lag. So I, yeah, I drive to Kripalu for Gabby Bernstein's bestseller masterclass, which I'm super excited about. Um, But I have to be, you know, on all day. So this will be great for my energy. Then a few days later, I do the three hour drive back to Boston to the airport. And then I fly to Orlando for Podfest, which I'm so excited about. I'm doing a sponsorship deck workshop. I'm leading the wellness, the women in wellness panel. I'm doing a Food Heals book signing and I'm hosting the karaoke party, which all sounds super fun, but it's also really exhausting. So I'll be popping my energy bits like candy. They are the way that I'm going to get through, you know, all of these conferences and all of my responsibilities. So If you're like me and you need a little boost of energy throughout your day and you also want to sleep really well, check out Energy Bits. It's chlorella and spirulina, the highest concentration of protein, zero sugar, no additives, no gluten, none of that, you know, just pure bliss, pure goodness. It's all at energybits.com. Of course, you can use the coupon code for 20% off. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS. You'll get 20% off your order. All right, now back to our interview with Ravi and Cyrus. And I see on the website, there's a quote from Robbie that says, you know, when you eat like this, a plant-based whole food diet, you can increase that insulin sensitivity within days to weeks. So if someone is right now, you know, getting close to something where that they can't come back from, how quickly can changing their diet really have an effect on them and their their disease?
2: So this is where um, being people that are living with type 1 diabetes, we become these fascinating test subjects because we're injecting insulin and we know exactly how much insulin we're injecting. We count the amount of carbohydrate that we consume and we consistently manage our blood glucose levels. So some of us are wearing continuous glucose monitors where I get a new reading on my phone every five minutes, tells me what my blood glucose levels um, are at. So these three pieces of data are absolutely fascinating and can allow us to easily measure objectively our insulin sensitivity on a meal by meal basis. When you guys eat a meal, you don't know how much insulin your pancreas is producing. You know, you could test your blood glucose, you could, um, you could measure the carbohydrate content, but you just don't know what's being produced. We know I'm through c peptide testing that we're producing none. And so whatever I'm injecting, that's all that's working. And so we have seen just an amazing turnaround in our own lives. So people following a low carbohydrate diet, There's published research where they'll eat 30 grams of carbohydrate per day and inject about an average of 30 units per day. So that's a one to one, 24 hour insulin sensitivity, uh, carbohydrate to insulin ratio. Now Cyrus and I will eat over 700 grams of carbohydrate per day and inject roughly 27 units of insulin. So that is a dramatic increase in total carbohydrate intake and actually less total insulin, which is mind blowing for most people. So the result can happen pretty quickly. So for those living with type one, um, you know we'll see results within uh, you know a matter of days, and then in about three months, there's about a ten to sixty percent reduction in total insulin use, while increasing carbohydrate consumption. And those living with pre-diabetes and type two diabetes, um, depending on how big of a hole they've really dug for themselves, is going to depend on how quickly they're going to respond. But it's really can happen in really a matter of weeks, where people will see they've increased their consumption of potatoes and rice and beans and fruit and lots of vegetables. And their fasting blood glucose is dropping. And they're actually needing to reduce their medication use. So it can happen quite quickly.
3: Do you know why? Is it because of you're not just eating carbs, but eating carbs with lots of fiber? Is it because you're getting antioxidants and minerals and nutrients?
2: Yeah, so I want to tell you something. You're lucky that you have one of the most brilliant scientists on the phone call today, and Mr. Cyrus Khambatta is going to answer that question for you.
3: <laughs> Yay. Cyrus?
2: <laughs> Maybe he's muted. My bad, my bad. I was <laughs> I set up this delivery, and then he just goes <laughs> silent. Sorry <Whoops. laughs> about that. Has never happened before.
3: <laughs> My question has stunned him into silence. It's okay.
1: Well, I was trying to be all polite here by putting myself on mute, and then I didn't realize I, I was still on mute.
3: <laughs> take, take two. Cyrus?
1: <laughs> okay. So this is actually one of the most uh, important questions that you could possibly ask because... This is the question that we get asked the most, and it's also the question that most that confuses most people. And the truth is that when Okay, let's go back to the very beginning and try and figure out what insulin resistance really is. Um, uh, what happens is that when you eat a diet that's generally high in fat, whether that fat comes from avocados and nuts and seeds and olive oil, or whether that fat comes from chicken and red meat, white meat, fish, and uh, dairy products. Um, when you consume a significant amount of fat in your diet, that those fatty acids, they come into your mouth, they end up traveling down your esophagus into your small intestine, and then they get absorbed into your blood. When they're in your blood, they basically are in circulation in these, these molecules or these particles known as chylomicrons, okay? Don't remember that. These chylomicrons then distribute fatty acids to your fat tissue, your adipose tissue, and then also distributes to your muscle and liver. Now. A simple way to think about this is that if those fatty acids ended up only inside of your fat tissue, then diabetes may not exist as a condition. The problem occurs when fatty acids go into your adipose tissue where they belong, but then there's a spillover and and fatty acids end up going into your muscle and into your liver. Now, the the thing is, is that your muscle and liver do have a capacity to be able to store small amounts of Uh, fatty acids when they are present in your diet. However, what happens is that when people eat a low carbohydrate or or high fat diet, over the course of time, they're eating a significant amount of fat for breakfast, and lunch, and dinner, and breakfast, and lunch, and dinner, and over, and over, and over. And within a short period of time, your muscles and liver become overwhelmed. And they end up accumulating too much fatty acids. and, And the lipid droplet inside of each of these cells in your muscle and liver begins growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. So at this point, cells in your liver and muscle, they say, okay, hold on a second, there's there's a problem because we're, we're accumulating too much fatty acids. How do we block this stuff from coming in? So ideally what they would do is they, in order to block fatty acids, they would they would just mount a defense against these fatty acids and say, hey, listen, stop coming in. We're, we don't want you anymore. The problem is that the cellular mechanisms to block fatty acids from coming into the tissue are, are pretty weak. And so as a result of that, Uh, these two tissues don't have an ability to necessarily block fatty acids directly. But what they can do is they can block insulin from communicating with the the cell very well. And the reason they would want to do that is because if they can tell insulin to go away, then they can block another fuel, another energy source, which is glucose, from coming inside of the tissue. So that's what they do, is they basically mount this, this response called insulin resistance, where they become resistant to insulin so the next time you eat a banana or a bowl of quinoa or some wild rice or you know some squash the the glucose molecules that come from those carbohydrate chains end up coming to your liver and muscle and insulin knocks on the door and goes hey knock knock do you want this glucose i got some available for you and the tissues respond by saying no 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 i have all this this fatty acid that has accumulated over the course of time i have to get rid of this stuff first so as a result of that, I'm going to be resistant to you, insulin. I'm not going to pay attention to you. And as a result of that, glucose ends up getting trapped and it pools and it gets the concentration increases in your blood. So what what your typical sort of low carbohydrate, you know, ketogenic eater will experience is that they'll eat a low carbohydrate diet, and then the minute they go and eat something that's carbohydrate rich, even if it's from the whole food world, they'll eat a potato or um you know some corn and all of a sudden within an hour their blood glucose is very high and what they do the normal response is they point a finger at the potato or the point a finger at the banana and they're like hey right. look see carbohydrates are bad for me every time i eat a carbohydrate my blood glucose goes up therefore i can't eat potatoes i can't eat corn i can't eat quinoa it doesn't work and they make this assumption that it's the carbohydrate rich food that caused the problem when in reality the thing that caused the problem was everything they ate before that carbohydrate-rich food that caused a traffic jam that prevented the glucose from being able to be transported inside of the tissue. Just making sense.
0: Yes, this is why no one understands it, by the way.
1: <laughs> this is why no one understands it, yeah. It's, it's sufficiently complicated enough that it requires you know a little bit of storytelling.
3: <laughs> it's like being blocked at the door by a bouncer at a club.
1: Do, I is, get it. That is literally my favorite analogy of all time. That's exactly right. <laughs>
3: You're welcome to use
1: it. (laughs) Yes. Maybe I should just use that from now on. But the idea (laughs) is that there's a traffic jam, right? It's like the fatty acids cause the traffic jam and then the glucose is just the innocent bystander that just is like, you know, it can't go anywhere. And as a result of that, your glucose goes high and insulin, funny enough, also goes high. So classical diabetes or classical pre-diabetes is you go to the doctor and you get your blood tested and they're like, huh, your glucose is elevated, but your insulin is also elevated. And the reason that it happens is because both insulin and glucose are trapped inside of your blood because your muscle and liver are mounting a, 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 a defense against it and preventing it from
2: coming inside. The bouncer is keeping the schmucks out of the, out of the, uh, the bar. <laughs> exactly
1: right. Anti schmuck.
0: I love how you broke that down because I feel like this is going to actually make sense for people, and they can now take this knowledge and be empowered when they go to their doctors and when they create their their the the correct diet for themselves. Moving forward, they'll understand why it works and not be confused with all of the garbage when you you know put this information into Google and try to figure it out yourself. You know, so let's talk. Absolutely. About, yeah, let's talk about the diet itself because, like, okay. For example, I'm vegan. I'm plant-based. I, I prefer to call myself plant-powered because when I say vegan, like vegans can eat Oreos. But this is really about low-fat, plant-based, whole food nutrition, right? Like carbohydrate-rich fruits and vegetables, like you said. So Tell us about what are people on this on this lifestyle eating every day? What are some of the meals?
2: Okay, so we've made this very simple. I'll tell you the traffic light food system, and then we'll go over some of the meals and how people can sort of construct uh, things that actually taste delicious. So to understand what foods to eat, we have a green light, yellow light, and red light system. Foods in the green light category... These are foods to eat when you're hungry until you're satisfied. You don't need to count your calories and think about how much you're consuming because they're naturally limiting in how much you're gonna eat. These are fruits. So that's bananas, papayas, mangoes, peaches, cherries, you name it, whole fruits. Then starchy vegetables. That's potatoes, yams, butternut squash. Then you have beans, peas, and lentils, and then you have um, intact whole grains, intact being the key word. So that's farro, that's millet, that would be some quinoa would fit in that category. Those are the first four groups in the green light category because they're all calorie providing and they're more calorie dense. So a lot of people will transition to a plant-based diet, they'll start eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of carrots, a lot of beets, a lot of greens, and they'll be hungry an hour, two hours after a meal. They'll end up reaching for foods they ate previously and all of a sudden they feel better and they say, you know what, the plant-based diet failed me. And that's because they didn't learn how to eat foods that actually satisfied them. And a lot of people come into it being afraid of carbohydrate rich foods. So we list those foods first intentionally because we wanna teach people, you have to build your diet around more calorie dense green light foods. And then the rest of the category Includes foods that are really just common sense, everybody agrees on. So that's leafy greens, non starchy vegetables, herbs and spices, and mushrooms. That's all in the green light category. Then the yellow light category, these are foods that are either high in fat or they're a little bit more processed. And we're not telling people to avoid them or not eat them at all. We're just saying be careful about how much you consume. So this includes avocados, nuts and seeds, olives soy products and coconut meat, those will be all whole um, plant foods that are just higher in fat. So even soy products edamame is the most whole intact form you can possibly eat of soy, but it's 40% of calories coming from fat. And that's easily going to cause the problem that Cyrus just described, even though it's a plant based food. So you got to be careful with those. And then we have foods like bread, you know, Ezekiel bread, or maybe a really clean millet bread, These are good, they can certainly be part of a healthy program, but they're just more processed, they're more calorie dense, and it's gonna be better to eat the whole intact form, which would be just eating millet, something like that. Same thing when it comes to pastas, brown rice pasta, You know, there's bean pastas these days, all kinds of pasta varieties, they're great. The calorie density is not as much of an issue because when you cook them, it absorbs water content. But again, the processing, you lose a little bit of the nutrition value, it's better to just have brown rice. So that's the yellow light category. And then in the red light category, we have animal products. This is red meat, white meat, fish. You have eggs in there, dairy products. We also have processed food in this category. So that could be things like you know, processed soy ice cream, stuff like that. You know, again, it's some of these they're vegan, they're better for the environment, better for animal welfare. But when it comes to maximizing your nutrient density, and getting in whole foods that are full of water and fiber and have a you know healthier calorie density, those foods are not going to meet those requirements. So that's how we put them in the red light category. Now, constructing meals, you just you take those green light foods and you can make a ridiculous amount of stuff from those. I mean, whether you're talking about pizzas, you're talking about um, you know burritos, um, soups, stews. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But we actually We eat pretty simply. And one of the favorite things that, you know, our clients do and we do ourselves is we just make bowls. You just take the individual ingredients, you put them together, you throw some spices on there and you have a delicious meal, whether that's some beans and some rice and some greens and using a lot of convenience foods. Like we're really passionate about making this realistic and doable and there are a lot of really great products that just come in a bag, you know, pre-packaged, like pre-cooked farro, and then you have some carrots and some broccoli and a little bit of chickpeas that comes in a bag. And then you just mix it with some sauce that's already pre-made. You put some spices on top and boom, you have a meal. So it's really, it's a simple approach. It's, it is very high in carbohydrate, low in fat in order to help people maximize their insulin sensitivity.
0: I feel like bowls are my life. Like in the winter, it's like I have a, I do a lot of warm bowls where I'm just throwing whatever vegetables and rice or quinoa I have together with some sauce. And then in the summer, it's like raw bowls. So I, I'm with you. I think I might be following this by accident already. So I'm excited about that. Isn't
1: it? That's classic. I like it. <laughs> One thing I want to add is that is that it, it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, I think a lot of people are intimidated by a plant-based diet when they first hear about it because oh my god i gotta go shit i gotta go get all these kitchen blenders and spiralizers and and you can easily sort of psych yourself out of the process but in reality you know the sim just eating simply is very simple to do and it's very effective and you know if you just kind of keep it simple and just put a couple of things into a bowl and make it taste good then you know it can be that simple
0: Yeah. And you can do it at restaurants too. Like there's so many times where like I'm at a business meeting at a steakhouse and I can't eat anything, but I can make, I'll ask the chef to put together just like all of the sides, all the side vegetables. And it's basically a plate of of vegetables, you know, and it's it's that's how I live my life and so I'm glad that I'm already doing this so I'm preventing having diabetes myself (laughs) Uh,
2: we literally wrote that in the book that steakhouses are one of the best places to eat if you want to follow a really healthy um you know clean diet here
0: I have a big plant-based circle but when I eat with my non-plant-based friends are like oh we have to find somewhere Allie can eat and they're all worried and nervous I'm like I can basically eat anywhere so don't even worry about it you know totally true Okay. So you also have step two, um, after the low fat plant-based whole food nutrition is intermittent fasting, which I love. I'm such a fan of fasting. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have more energy. I'm fasting right now. You guys, I have not eaten today. I've just had my, I have my, um, green juice, uh, shake that doesn't break the fast by Dr. Cabral. So other than that, I have not eaten today and I look forward to eating my plant-based late uh, lunch, early dinner. So tell me about your stance on intermittent fasting.
1: We are huge fans of intermittent fasting. It's actually, we've put together what's called the Mastering Diabetes Method. And the Mastering Diabetes Method incorporates four th- components. So number one is low-fat, plant-based, whole food diet. Uh, number two is uh, frequent movement. And we we recommend people move their body for a minimum of 30 minutes per day, six days a week. Uh, the third component is intermittent fasting. And we teach people how to perform intermittent fasts, whether they wanna do it once per week for 24 hours, or whether they wanna do it 16 hours a day, every single day. Some people choose to do it 18 hours per day, but uh, intermittent fasting is the third component. And then the fourth component is uh, documentation. And we have a very specific system for documenting your blood glucose values, your insulin use, your medication use, and the foods that you're eating so that you can learn and start to recognize patterns in and, and what's the connection between the food that you're eating and the things that you're doing on a daily basis and how you are feeling. And so when you put all four of these components into play, then you're sort of doing the method, and the method is extremely powerful. Now, intermittent fasting, you know, just like you're saying, I think a lot of people get intimidated by, by the idea of performing an intermittent fast because it's daunting. You know,
0: it's like, oh, my God,
1: I can't eat food. Wait, what? How come I can't eat food? I I can't go 16 hours. I can't go 24 hours without eating food. But you tell us, like, how do you how did you get started in it? and, And what allows you to be able to do it and do it frequently?
0: For me? Yeah. Um, I think I first I got into juice fasting. And so that was, I was constantly putting nutrition in with juice and not eating. And so it was giving my body a break from digestion. And people don't realize how much energy the body takes to digest food. And so when we're eating large meals or eating frequently or eating snacking all day, our body is constantly putting energy towards digestion rather than healing or giving us energy for the next you know, step in our day, the next task we need to do, whether it's work or movement or exercise or, you know your job. And so when I discovered intermittent fasting was a thing, I had gone from a doctor who had said, you have low blood sugar, you need to eat healthy snacks all day long. And guess what? I was not feeling better. I was feeling worse. And I think for me, and I can only speak for myself because I think intermittent fasting works well for a lot of people and some people don't do as well on it. But for me, I was like, oh, if I don't have to eat and think about food for long periods of time, just like when I was juicing, I get to focus on all the other things that I want to get done in my day or that I want to enjoy. And so it really, for me, made decision fatigue going away, thinking what healthy thing do I have to stuff in my mouth right now to get onto my next thing? And then also like the mental clarity that came with juice fasting, I also experienced with intermittent fasting. So the longer I go without food and I'm able to focus on all the other things, whether it's working out, whether it's getting the work done that I want to do, whether it's a creative endeavor that I want to experience experiment with that day, I feel this mental clarity and I also feel higher energy when I don't eat for long periods of time. Um, And I do have greens that I take throughout the day to make sure that I am getting nutrition during that time. So for me, it's been life changing. But I know for others, they haven't liked it so much. So I can't speak for everyone.
1: For sure. For sure. I I do hear that a lot from people where they say, you know, the thought of doing an intermittent fast was intimidating. But then once I got into it, once I did it two, three, four or five times, I actually realized that I was just telling myself a story in my head and you know not only does it just become easier mentally and physically but the results are astounding uh you know there's plenty of evidence-based research to demonstrate just how powerful intermittent fasting is at you know helping you lose weight helping you normalize your blood glucose values helping you lose or reduce your cholesterol values dropping your blood pressure i mean the list goes on and i think once people just kind of like develop the habit Then it just becomes a normal part of life, and it's really not a big deal at all.
3: Do you think there might also be like a phase of acclimation or time period of acclimation? Because I, you know, I think the first fast I ever did was the the Master Cleanse, right? And I got so hangry on it that I didn't last a day. Over time, I've done um, just like Allie, slowly over time, like I've done more juice fasts where my body sort of acclimated, and I still was hungry, but I could deal with it and I could put it off, and it wasn't it wasn't such an extreme. Do you think that that could possibly be true?
0: For
1: sure. You know, I studied intermittent fasting while I was in uh, grad school. And um, I remember at that time, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is cool. There's a lot of powerful benefits here. But I just don't think that it's going to catch on. I mean, you know, you're telling people to eat less food. And that's kind of not what what people want to hear.
0: It's not the American way. It's not the American
1: way. Exactly. That's just downright un-American. And it turns out that I was totally, totally wrong. And uh, it's just it's just amazing to me how much it's caught on. And uh, how powerful it really is, and and it seems to be a cornerstone of of many nutritional philosophies, regardless of what type of food um, you know a particular person eats. So like whether you're eating a ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting, whether you're eating a low carbohydrate diet, a high carbohydrate diet, a plant based diet, it doesn't really matter. Intermittent fasting is something that's central, that kind of like. Um, is present amongst many different types of diets, and um, I'm very glad to see that.
0: One of the biggest benefits I've seen for myself is really getting in touch with my body and understanding my hunger cues, because hunger cues are different, whether I'm ready to eat because it's an emotional cue, because I'm like, oh, this has been a hard day and I need to reward myself versus actual hunger pangs, which feel very different from, oh, I could tear up a pizza right now. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Yeah. And so it's like with the intermittent fasting, I realized that when I was getting super stressed out, I was like walking to the fridge and you're like, do I really need to eat right now, or am I just trying to avoid a feeling or a stressor that I don't want to think about? So, when I, that was like life changing for me, because I was like, oh, I didn't realize how much I was depending on food to avoid something I didn't want to deal with. And so, once I decided, okay, instead, why don't you try taking a walk or doing something enjoyable or dealing with the effing feeling or emotion that you don't want to deal with yourself, then you realize you weren't actually hungry. It wasn't a craving, it wasn't an actual food craving. Your body wasn't saying, I need nutrition right now. Your body was saying, oh, let's avoid. This thing, and so that was really really life changing for me. So now, when I intermittent fast, I know that if I have a hunger pang, I can pop one of my algae. I do my green algae, my spirulina, and um, uh, spirulina and uh, chlorella, and that'll satisfy the hunger if it's a nutrition craving. And then, if I really am hungry, then okay, I'm gonna list my body and go get some food. Um, But if I'm sitting at home all day, which I work from home, and I'm not being, I'm not out out and about all day, I can survive on almost nothing and be more productive. And if I am out and about, let's say I'm at a conference or doing something more energetic, I don't do the intermittent fasting because I do feel I need the food for fuel. But I've discovered that for myself, you know? So it's like figure out what works for you. But I love that you've included it as a component to your four-step program.
1: For sure. For sure. It's it's a central component. And you're right. I think what you're what you're explaining is very similar to what we explained, which is that there's a difference between you know physiological hunger, which is when tissues are actually asking for fuel, versus psychological hunger, where you think you're hungry uh, because it's twelve o'clock or because you smell the pizza. You know, they're two completely different types of hunger, and once you do intermittent fasting, then you can differentiate between the two of them for sure.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's promote the book. Tell us what's in it. What can we learn? Where can we get it? All that good stuff.
2: Well, we are super excited about this book and uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So it's basically broken down into three different sections. You're going to hear a lot of the details about our personal story. Then we're going to go deep into the science so people understand really what's going on. then you have the how-to section, which is really a step-by-step manual of how to transition your diet, how to incorporate intermittent fasting, how to incorporate exercise, how to actually use these decision trees. So each section of the book sort of builds on itself and and, and works together. And we obviously standing on the shoulders of giants, of many other great experts who have talked about this material, have published research on this material. And we went to the drawing board and said, what can we do to contribute? What can be new? to this movement, and uh, we're really happy to have put that together. Um, There's a lot of new information here, there's over 800 citations. So we dug really deep into the science and also made it very easy to understand. And we also put together meal plans. So there's 30 new recipes in this book, and you take a quiz to figure out how insulin resistant are you, and then decide what meal plan to start with. So we want people to not only get, you know, the great long-term result here, but, As you're transitioning, you want to avoid, you know, excess high blood glucose readings. You just want to avoid that. And you can manipulate that. You can control that based on eating certain meals. And that's what we have put into this book. And um, there's also a lot of testimonials interspersed. So no matter what form of diabetes you're living with, you're going to find somebody that you can relate to that's really been through a similar journey. And um, people can buy the book anywhere books are sold. So obviously Amazon. Barnes and Noble, you can get it at Target, you can get it at Walmart. We both read the audiobook and we added in some of our own little extras to the audiobook. So that's going to be on Audible and you can grab that. You can get it on Kindle, um, Apple book, I say that already. It's everywhere and it's uh, also available for international uh, listeners. So there's a website called Book Depository. And they actually sell the book at a discount. It's still 10% off the cover price and they give you free worldwide shipping. I do not know how they stay in business, but it does exist. So you can get the book no matter where you live in the world.
0: Amazing. I love it when authors read the book themselves on Audible because then it's like it's like you're listening to a podcast because then they're like and I also want to add and then they like tell you a great story. Uh-huh. <laughs> the website is masteringdiabetes.org get it wherever books are sold. Thank you guys so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I've learned so much today honestly. It was
3: great guys.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much for for hosting us here and you know for spreading the word. Um, you know your podcast is called Food Heals and like I the, the that Single idea that food is a substitute for pharmaceutical medication, that food is truly a medicine, is something that I, I hope people really are starting to understand if they don't already fundamentally understand it. So, you guys are doing a phenomenal job of getting the word out, and I truly appreciate uh, all the hard work that you guys put into spreading the word. Keep it up.
0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. Mic drop, everyone.